The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been beyond the game. The most well-known, the best-looking, the best-dressed. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. I also really don't care. No, I'm saying I could have done what Speed does because I do that every time I golf. Are you really that ignorant? Yeah. You guys are so young and stupid. Get ready. Here we go. Thanks for joining us and welcome to the Beyond the Game program. The Beyond the Game program is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. You can call Town & Country at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. I'm Rick Benson and here with me, as he usually is, the program's producer, Zach Barletta. Our website is btgprogram.com. The social media handle is at btgprogram. The studio line is 585-431-1202. It's not a live line, though we invite you to leave your comments anytime on anything you hear on our show. Who knows, maybe your thoughts will make their way onto the program. Hasn't happened yet, but there's always a first time. <laughs> I so, hope. So once again, the studio line is 585-431-1202. We recently heard something from Tiger Woods we've never heard before. In withdrawing from the Safeway Open, he admitted that his game was, in his words, vulnerable. That, that it's not ready for competition yet. How life and circumstances just have a way of humbling a person. Tiger Woods was once so proud. He was once so, I don't know, maybe arrogant. And, and now he's not even sure when he'll be ready to return to professional golf. Many are wondering if he's going to return to professional golf. Myself and included. When he does eventually return, what type of golfer is he going to be? Have the circumstances of life, which, I don't know, do they seem to have humbled him? You know, are they also going to take some of the fiery competition out of him as he's a more humble person? That competition, that fiery comp competitor, is sort of what gave him an edge in so many of those tournaments. Mm -hmm. I mean, is he going to be able to compete with guys like Jason Day, Dustin Johnson, Justin Rose, Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy? I mean, only time is going to tell. Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride comes, then comes dishonor, but with the humble is wisdom. When one is humble, one, one takes a different approach to things. I, I think it would be wise for Tiger Woods to come back when he's ready to come back. Now, I'm sure he's anxious. I mean, you're, he's got to be anxious to come back to work. Who wouldn't it be? You want to get back to what it is that you do. I'm sure he wants to compete. A man often feels, you know, as men, we feel the sense of identity based on what it is we do. And what Tiger does is play golf better than anybody else. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine that he's ever going to be that Tiger Woods again. The Tiger who had... The tournament often won before he even teed yeah. off for the first time on Thursdays. I don't know that anybody's going to be that tiger again. I had a conversation with a coworker the other day who was he was talking about trying to find the next Tiger Woods. Who's the next Tiger Woods? And I was like, you know, there might not be a next Tiger Woods. There, he just he's the only guy that I remember seeing in my lifetime that just dominated day in and day out, just relentlessly like that. 
there probably will be at some point, but those are a long time in between. Mm-hmm. You know, you got Wayne Gretzky. It was a long time before Sidney Crosby came along. Mm-hmm. So it's a long time before you get yeah. that level of stardom to come around. Right now, Tiger's an unknown. Nobody really knows. He's a great competitor. I think with some added humility, with some wisdom, I believe anyway, he can be a top player on the tour. Like perhaps maybe a, a major league pitcher, when a power pitcher, when later in their career they have to learn to be crafty, they have to learn how to pitch because the power is gone. Tiger can still be great, that is if his body allows. I mean, it all comes down to injuries, what he's able to do. Mm-hmm. But he's got to understand that he won't be the same, and he's going to have to make adjustments. So what if he registered for a tournament and then backed away? All of us have done something or we've spoken too soon only to have wisdom way out or win out, I should say, later on. Mm -hmm. He used the word vulnerable to describe his game. To me, that seemed like an odd word to -hmm. describe a physical action. You know, it's a better fit for an emotion. And my guess is that he personally feels vulnerable. And I suppose by extension, his game is vulnerable, but I'm sure he feels vulnerable. I mean, he's probably got this desire to be the same old tiger, to go out, to show everyone he's still the man. But, you know, with humility comes wisdom. Slow down, get this thing right. I doubt this is the end for Tiger Woods, but it's possible that it is. He's still relatively young man. I I mean, he's not playing basketball, so his age is not necessarily working against him yet. He may no longer perhaps be chasing Jack Nicklaus, but with two decades of experience as a professional, 14 major championships, 79 PGA Tour victories, I suspect he's learned a thing or two about competing on the PGA Tour. Tiger just needs to take his time. Take Mm -hmm. your time, get it right, and when you feel less vulnerable, don't come back to be the Tiger Woods we once saw who dominated the golf world. Be the Tiger we haven't seen yet, the one who competes with the pack week after week, but knows how to put himself in a position to win on Sundays. Speaking of Sundays, last Sunday, the San Diego Chargers lost yet another game they <laughs> held the lead in. That was unbelievable. Oh. They've they've found so many ways to do this. This time they lost to the Raiders 34-31. They had a chance to tie it late in a game with a 36-yard field goal, but the hold was botched by punter Drew Kayser. Man, what a day for him. Mm-hmm. What a day. In addition to botching the hold late in the third quarter, his 16-yard punt, 16 yards, set up a Raider touchdown. Anyway, after the field field goal attempt, uh, Failed field goal attempt, I should say. TV cameras caught Chargers kicker Josh Lambeau walking off the field and sharing a laugh with fellow kicker Sebastian Janikowski of the Raiders. Now, other players were silent. Some were angry about the loss. So, obviously, they're not taking Lambeau's seemingly lighthearted reaction. They're not, they're not taking that very well. After a conversation with Coach Mike McCoy and others, Lambeau identified his timing was awful. He had you know, admitted the thing looked bad, and on Tuesday when the team reconvened, he offered a public apology to his teammates. Lambeau said he understands how it was perceived as a bad look. He told reporters afterwards, I think it was a misinterpretation of what happened. Obviously, I was devastated as anybody about the loss. 
No one enjoys losing. I certainly don't take it lightly. Lambeau is in his second season. Janikowski in his 17th season. And he admits to being a little bit awestruck. He says, in the kicking world, he's a superstar. He's a rock star. He's a guy I look up to, a guy I consider a growing friend. We had a word. We had a laugh. We're people. The workday was over, and he said something funny. And when Sebastian Janikowski says something funny to you, you laugh. <laughs> now, there's no doubt that the time was poor. It was poor timing. Yeah. He gets it. It's a bad look. But the guy's a professional. Do you think he really doesn't care? Do you really think he wasn't disappointed about how the game turned out? Well, maybe not as disappointed as Kayser because, but, you know. I mean, what else are you going to do? You can't carry that with you. you got to let it go. you got to move on as professional athletes. That's what we expect of them. And, you know, how else do you deal with it? I, I think it's a non-story, really. I do, too. There was nothing he could have done at that point, as you just said, it, it, that was going to change anything. Game's over. I was watching the game. My wife is a Raiders fan, so we're watching the game. The Chargers, they just haven't been able to put together 60 minutes of solid football, and this loss was this loss was not because of the kicking game. It, it wasn't even on the shoulders of Drew Kayser, who had more go wrong than did Lambeau. In fact, if you're asking me, this is as much on Mike McCoy as it is on anybody. He was facing fourth and inches, two minutes remaining in the game. McCoy went for a game-tying field goal instead of trying to pick up a few inches on the ground and win the game with a touchdown. Now, Benson, that's the conventional play there. That's what people are saying, right? That's that's what you do. you got to kick the field goal in that situation. And, yes, most times it is. But the Chargers' defense hadn't stopped anybody consistently all day. Mm -hmm. And even if the Chargers had picked up that field goal, they were going to have to stop the Raiders – whose offense was pretty much having their way. Yeah. Besides that, the Raiders would have only needed to go far enough for a field goal. Remember, they have Sebastian Janikowski. And as we all have learned, when he laughs, you laugh. Yeah. But try to convince the subculture on social media that the team doesn't win or lose with one guy. They were killing the kickers. They made Lambeau their whipping boy for the loss simply because he was laughing after the game with a player from the other team. Now, we've all already acknowledged, look, man, it didn't look good. Fine. But things aren't always what they appear. But many of us do the same th thing. We do, we, on both sides of this, sometimes we jump to conclusions. We assume we know how another person is feeling inside. Uh, while still at other times, we don't have to stop to think how our actions might appear to other people. We don't consider that what we're doing might look like what it might look like to somebody else. Now, I'm not saying it's right for other people to judge you based on what they think you're doing, but I am saying that, right or not, they are going to make a judgment. Whether that's right or wrong, it doesn't matter. They're going to do it. As a leader in your church, especially in areas of youth leadership, be careful about what assumptions you make about people. And for crying out loud, please be aware of what your actions might be doing to other people's perceptions. We have no idea. Truly, we can think we know that Lambeau didn't didn't take it seriously because he was laughing. We don't know what, what he felt inside. I know you have liberty in Christ. I can hear people yelling at the radio. But despite your liberty, other people are still going to make assumptions. 
before sauntering into the bar to exercise a little liberty, please stop to consider what if, what if a parent of one of those young people that they've entrusted to you, what if they see you going into there? They may be mature enough to understand that you have liberty, but more than likely, they're probably immature enough to jump to a conclusion and assume the worst. Luke 6.37 says, Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Now, don't get crazy and misunderstand the context here. It's not saying never judge. What it is saying is judge from a righteous heart with a righteous motive and make sure that you're not being hypocritical. Worry about yourself before worrying about others. There are most certainly times and places for a righteous judgment. But while you may be able to judge results, and we can judge Lambeau based on his results, what you can't judge is another person's motives. For Josh Lambeau, the results were poor. But the motives seemed innocent enough. Zach, anything you need to add to anything I've said? You know, I don't think so. I just, I feel like with the Josh Lambeau thing, I feel like if you're a Charger fan, it's just easier to pin the blame on that than to just acknowledge that your team's not very good. You know what I'm saying? And with Charger fans, there's so many things that you could pin it on. Yeah. I mean, you're right. They're just not good, and they're poorly coached. Josh Lambeau's not the one that's blown three straight fourth quarter leads. All right? Not his fault. We've got plenty more to get to today on the program. Zach is on cloud nine because the NHL season has kicked off. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's it's his favorite time of year. We'll give you our predictions for the season ahead. Zach Haas is going to join us. He's going to talk some college football with me. And, of course, we have a number of our regular features to get to. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Title sponsor of Beyond the Game is Town & Country Pest Solutions, and they have been for the two-plus years the show's been on the air. But that's nothing compared to the nearly 30 years of bringing your homes and businesses of unwelcome pests. And I'm not just here reading a commercial script for them. I am a happy and satisfied customer. They have taken care of a mouse, bee, ant, and even fly problem for me. Yes, my house is old and falling apart, and I get all sorts of pest problems, and you may too as the colder air creeping in starts to cause critters to seek shelter in your attic, basement, or walls. If you think you have a problem or want to make sure that you don't, call Town & Country. They really are the best. They guarantee their work, and did I mention they're the best? Save yourself any more of a headache and money by giving them a call first. Don't waste your time on other companies. Town and Country will do it right the first time, every time. So give them a call today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. One more time because someone decided that three is the magic number, 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town and Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. It's here. Ram Sports Network. Christian Sports Television. That's right. Christian Sports Television. Ram Sports Network is the first Christian sports TV channel with programming from peewee to the pros. Games, events, sports talk, fitness and nutrition, sports missions, western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at ramsportsnetwork.com or find us on the Roku Channel Store. Ram Sports Network. More than a game. Welcome back to the Beyond the Game program. Glad you could join us. 
btgprogram.com, at btgprogram. Benson and Barletta, your hosts. I already said I'm glad you're with us. We're still glad you're with us. We're glad you're still with us. Let's talk. I, I know you're you're on the edge of your seat. You want to get to this segment. This is this might be in all the radio that we do. This is probably your favorite segment of the year. I think it probably Throw is. Throw all the spiritual stuff aside. You're <laughs> about the NHL preview. I mean, yeah, the spiritual stuff is good too. But come on, come on, <laughs> hockey, hockey. I'm just, I'm just messing with you. I know you love to talk <laughs> hockey. I do too. But let me ask you: Do you like talking hockey more than you like talking baseball or football? Man, maybe, maybe because this one's. This I get the sense that you do. This seems to be the one that I always waste the most hot air on. This so. is where you sit up and and pay attention. So what we're going to do is we're going to pick our playoff teams out of the East, out of the West. Tell you we're gonna we're gonna nail it this year. So you don't even have to watch hockey if you just want to. We we're going to tell you what's going to happen. But you should you should watch. But you should watch. And then we're going to tell you who's going to play in the conference finals and eventually the Stanley Cup. And also we're going to pick a surprise team that will do worse than you expected, that may catch you by surprise, and a team that will do better than you expected and catch you by surprise. So, Zach, let's start in the Eastern Conference. This is, as I'm researching and hearing what other people on other programs are, are, are saying, this one is pretty easy for the top two teams. Yeah, it's a pretty top-heavy conference. Yeah, I mean, it's Tampa Bay and Florida. Everybody is listing them as the top two teams. Uh, You're pausing. Have we forgotten about the Capitals and the fly, the uh, Penguins? You know, the Penguins, the trouble they're going to have, nobody wins back-to-back championships in the NHL. Nobody does it. So throw them right out. They're going to be competitive, <laughs> but they're not going to win. They're going to make a playoff team. Yeah. For sure. Oh, absolutely. And Washington also, playoff team. But I think the window for Washington is closing. I mean, that's for they're, they're getting older, and they're right there every year, but that window of opportunity is closing. And I think it, they're going to find they're going to slip. They're not going to be a one or two seed, I don't believe. I'm going to give you mine, and then you can, you can pick, pick okay. out it. This sounds like this is going to be fun already. My one seed is Tampa Bay. You know, Kucherov and Stamkos, there's, they're well coached. I, I love the offense. They've got goaltending depth. I'm not even sure Ben Bishop finishes the season as their goaltender. Probably not. Uh, they have a lot of depth. They've got depth at every position. And they kept everybody. They're free agents. They kept everybody. They, they did a great job. Uh, I see Tampa Bay as a top seed. I see Florida as the number two seed. Picking up Keith Yandel from your Rangers. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> and that again, was a steal. A team that kept everybody. You know, they, yeah. they kept the core together. I like Tampa Bay. I like Florida. I like Pittsburgh there at number three, but I don't think they're going to go far enough into the – they're not going to win the Stanley Cup. It just – you don't do that in the NHL. And besides – and it's not just because you don't. Nobody's done it in a while. Obviously, somebody can do it, but – I don't see them being stronger than Tampa Bay or Florida. I got Washington four. As I said, I see the window closing. I think the Boston Bruins at five, picking up David Backus was great for them. I think the Buffalo Sabres at six, I I think they can be better than people are expecting. I I think absolutely, yeah. Now, that's assuming that 
you know, Eichel's going to be out a while. We don't know how long. But assuming that they can, they have the talent to do all right without him. And then if they get him back and he's back to form, then they could be sniffing around a wild card spot. I actually had these written out before the Eichel injury. Okay. And that, and that could cause Buffalo. If he's out an extended time, they can drop right out of the playoff picture. And as of now, they're not quite sure the severity. It's a high ankle sprain. Those take a long time, but they don't. I think it's soon enough they don't really know exactly how long it's going to be. I have the Montreal Canadiens at 7, and I have the New York Islanders at 8, and that is probably just my heart because I'm right there at the Islanders or the Flyers at the 8 position, and I can't stand the Flyers, so I went (laughs) with the Islanders. But I really think losing Akposo is is huge. I think that's going to hurt them. And Franz Nielsen went left and went to the Red Wings. Andrew Ladd's a nice pickup, but... yeah. I don't think it's enough to make up what they lost. So I'm probably uh, picking with my heart there. I was going to say that that picking the Islanders probably has nothing to do with your allegiances, right? I feel like like what the Islanders added in the offseason kind of just balances out what they lost, but I don't feel like they got any better. You know, does that, do you think that's fair? I actually think they lost more than they got back, but, you know. For my, uh, my eight teams from the East, I have the Capitals, I have the Penguins, I have uh, the Rangers and the Flyers, also from the Metro. Those are my teams for the Metro. The Rangers squeaking in as a wild card, not making it very deep. They just don't have the defense to do that, as much as it pains me to say. Um, Well, there again, when you're just sneaking in, and now this is ironic, you have your Rangers just sneaking in. Mm-hmm. I have my Islanders just sneaking yeah. in. Oh, that that has um, to be a coincidence, right? Yeah, I'm sure. But I'm also a big Tampa Bay fan, and mm-hmm. I think they're loaded. And any team just sneaking in out of the East is going to have to play them in the very first round. Good luck with that. You're probably losing in four or five games. Um, I have the Flyers in, which, just like you, I'm disgusted. You. I'm disgusted to do it, but... They're good. They're young. They're good. They, you know, Steve Mason is quietly a pretty good goaltender, you know. So, again, like the Rangers, I don't think they go very far, but I think they make it in. I have the Lightning. I have the Panthers, and I have the Canadians and the Bruins. So you don't have the Sabres. I do not. That's the only one that we disagree on. Yeah. Oh, and the Islanders. You don't have the Islanders either. Correct. All right, let's look at the West. I'll uh, I'll give you mine, and then you can pick it. I got the St. Louis Blues as the one seed. I I love Tarasenko. Oh, absolutely. I I think he is a tremendous hockey player. I think he's, even though he's regarded as a great player, I think he's underrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I like the St. Louis Blues at one. I like the uh, Chicago Blackhawks at two. Adding a defenseman like Brian Campbell to what they very, already have in Kane and Taze. Yeah, on a very team-friendly team deal. I think he gets a million and a half this year. Very inexpensive. I got Nashville in the three spot. And you know I'm a P.K. Subban fan. And as you said to me the other day, you're slowly becoming one. I know. I've always disliked him, and I think it was the Montreal thing. But the, he's won me over with the singing Johnny Cash in Nashville bars and the, just some of the quotes that he's had since he was traded. I really am starting to come around on him. I got the Dallas Stars four, Los Angeles Kings five. They still have Jonathan Quick, although he got hurt opening night 
Again, I haven't heard for how long, but as long as he's there, they got quality goaltending. Yeah. Oh, yeah. San Jose Sharks, six. Anaheim Ducks, seven. And the Calgary Flames, eight. I love the Calgary's offense. I, Goudreau, Backlund, Monaghan, Giordano. They're a fun team to watch. They're <laughs> I wish we got more Calgary Flame games because I'd like to see some of them. <laughs> they They're never going to be on TV here. No. No, you have to have the package to see them. But uh, So there's my West. You give me yours. As much as I like the Flames, I do not have them in the playoffs. I have uh, – and I, I, I think didn't... you're going to be wrong about that one. I'm more passionate about the Flames making it than I was the <laughs> Islanders. I wouldn't mind them being in because, like I said, they're entertaining. I don't know that, I don't know that Brian Elliott solves the goaltending problems that they've had. Um, it sure didn't look like it on opening night. They may not need a goaltender. They're going to score six, eight goals a night. That would be fun, too. Then we might actually get to see them on TV here. Um, this is not an order of seating or anything. I have the the uh, Sharks. Uh, as I, I think they would be my number one seed. The Kings. Really? Yeah. The Ducks, just because somebody has to be the number three team out of the uh, Pacific. I don't really like the Ducks. I don't think they go very deep in the playoffs at all, but the rest of that uh, division is pretty bad. I know the Sharks were finalists last year, but I mean it's another year that they've gotten older. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love I love Martin Jones in goal for them. He was a steal for them in that trade, and he has been very very good. So I I, I maybe am higher on Martin Jones in goal than other people, but I really I buy the Sharks. I buy the Sharks a lot, and uh, not just because I drafted them in our logo draft. Well, you must have the same top four that I do, Blues, Blackhawks, Predators, Stars, all in the playoffs. I don't have the Stars in, and I have the Blackhawks as a wildcard team. I think this is – we've been waiting for the Blackhawks to finally start to wear down, and I I think it's got to be this year. I like like the Campbell signing, like you said. I just think – like we all know by now how the Blackhawks operate. They have those top-tier stars that are so highly paid – and they just cycle through, you know, uh, bottom six guys, depth guys that are cheap to keep the under the cap. And I, I think this year they finally have just lost too much that I see them as a good but not great team. All right, so, give me your eight once again. Sharks, Kings, Ducks, Avalanche, Predators, Blues, Wild, Blackhawks. Avalanche and Blues are... Yeah, the, the, the Blues, you talked about I, the Blues. I meant the Wild. I said blues, but mm-hmm. the wild. You've got the wild in and the avalanche. I yeah. do. They change coaches. They are, they perennially, I feel like, have had too much talent to finish where they finished. So I think maybe the coaching change gets it out of them going to um, Bruce Boudreau. And then with the avalanche, I think we've talked about this before. When Patrick Waugh was the head coach, they had so much talent, but philosophically, the coaching was just not there. It was holding them back. And I think. With a coach that's able to get the most out of the the amount of talent that they have on that Avalanche team, I think they turn it around quickly. I think they get into the playoffs. All right, who's your conference finalist in? In the West, I have the Predators and the Sharks, and in the East, I have the Lightning and the Capitals. I got the uh, the Lightning beating the Capitals and the Predators beating the Sharks. I've got the Lightning and the Panthers out of the East, and I've got the Blues and the Predators. Oh, man, that all-Florida series would be fun. I hope that happens. You're going to see Tampa Bay defeating the St. Louis Blues and lifting the Stanley Cup. Ooh. 
That would be fun. That would be a fun series. I have the Predators beating the Lightning for the Stanley Cup. Really? So both of us have the uh, Tampa Bay in the Stanley Cup Mm -hmm. Finals. I have more faith in them than you do. And again, partly, remember, I I spent a couple years in Florida right when the Lightning were getting going. I went to a couple of their first games. I'm I'm kind of excited about the Lightning. You got a little soft spot for them. I do. And they are, I think, pretty clearly the class of the East. You know, I've seen a lot of people that, as I was doing my research, a lot of people really, really high on the Capitals. Like you, I think the window is closing for them. I don't think that they're that number one elite team, but I think the Lightning pretty clearly are. All right, let's talk about some surprises. Give me a a team that you think is going to surprise. and Well, give me both. A team that you think is going to surprise in a good way and a team you think is going to surprise by doing more poorly than people may think. I think the good surprise team for me is the Oilers. I think we talked about before how much talent, how many number one overall picks are on that team. I'm not ready to call them a playoff team because they still got to figure out how to defend. But, I mean, they seem like we've already seen it the first game of the year. McDavid scored twice. He looks fantastic. I think they're going to score enough goals that they're going to be better than people think. Your bad surprise? Bad surprise team. Um, I think the Blackhawks being a wild card team would qualify, but I will say the Detroit Red Wings finally missing the playoffs. What? It's been 27 years, 28 years, something a like that. A long, long time. Yeah. My good surprise is the Calgary Flames, as we already talked about. You don't have them in the playoffs. I do. I see a ton of offense there. Uh, they, they were dead last in goals against last year. You already brought that up, but I think Brian Elliott does actually address some of that 925 save percentage since i don't know 2011 2012 forget what it was but uh, that's pretty darn good and put that with that offense i think the calgary flames are going to surprise in a bad surprise you mentioned bruce bruce Boudreau. the coaching change for calgary or for um, anaheim makes no sense to me bring in nope. a guy like randy carlisle who's a physical Likes a physical style of play. But the Ducks teams, have already fired once. <laughs> I, I don't understand it. They have all kinds know. of speed on that roster. Why is that the guy you turn to? Maybe it works out. Maybe he's able to adapt, but it makes no sense to me. And I think that the potential is there for them to be worse than people are, are thinking. Sure. So there you have it. I'm saying the Tampa Bay Lightning lift the cup later this, next spring. Zach is telling you that it's going to be the Nashville Predators that lift the cup. You're listening to Beyond the Game, brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Here is the Red Hawks Report for this week, October 15, 2016. The Red Hawks Report is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Let's start this week with women's soccer. The Red Hawks improved to 8-3-1 overall with a 3-0 victory last Saturday over Caldwell University. Freshman twin sisters Maya and Taylor Rutland, each scoring first-half goals coming just six minutes apart from one another to spark the offense. It was Maya's third and Taylor's fourth goals on the season. Senior Bella Matreski notched her seventh goal of the season to complete the scoring. And freshman goaltender Kelsey Brinkell continued her hot goaltending and the Roberts women have now won six in a row, shutting out their opponent in five of them. 
In golf, the Roberts men were at the St. Rose Invitational in Albany, and the men turned in a fifth-place finish out of the nine schools competing in the event. Both the men's and women's cross-country teams placed fourth in the Highlander Invitation at Houghton College. The men were competing in a field of seven teams and the women in a field of six. Junior Eric Johnson paced the men, finishing seventh overall with a time of 27.28.2 in the men's 8K. Another junior, Hannah Putnam, she led the ladies in the women's 5K with a time of 2019.1 and an eighth place finish. The Red Hawks volleyball team fell twice this week, unfortunately, dropping last Saturday's match at the University of Bridgeport 1-3, despite winning the first set and getting 13 kills from fifth-year senior Kate Steger and 33 assists from junior Elizabeth Rivera. The Hawks then suffered a 2-3 loss to Lemoyne College on Wednesday night. Rivera had 48 more assists in that match, while junior Courtney Taylor led the team with 12 kills. In tennis, the men and women were both visiting Philadelphia University last Sunday. The women came away winner 7-2. Sophomore Alyssa Brault led the women winning her singles matches 6-love, six 6-love. Six Brault also won in doubles without dropping a set, winning 8-love teamed with junior Maureen Cannell. The men, however, weren't as fortunate as they fell 3-6. Junior Hugo Ball Green won in both singles and in doubles. In fact, the Paris-France native has now won 10 straight single matches at the number one spot and is on pace to match the Red Hawk record of 14 straight. Your opportunities to catch the Red Hawks at home this week are as follows. Come out to the Roberts Wesleyan campus tomorrow, Sunday, October 16th, as both the men's and women's soccer teams take on New York Institute of Technology. The women go at noon, while the Red Hawk men will follow at 2.30. Next Friday, the 21st of October, the women's tennis team will take on Queens College at 3 p.m., while the volleyball squad will battle Queens in a 7 p.m. match. That's the Red Hawks Report for this week, October 15th, 2016. The Red Hawks Report is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. And remember, you can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Red Hawks. This has been the Red Hawks Report presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College, where athletics are fundamental to our commitment to educate for character. Our athletic program is strong and getting stronger every year. We offer 17 varsity sports, from lacrosse and basketball to track and field and soccer, and the only Division II athletic program in the area. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Beyond the game, talking sports from a different point of view. Barry Bonds never took steroids. It's a faith-based sports radio program. Don't ruin it by being an idiot. Highlighting the stories and the people of faith. Have a high moral standard. It's not a faith program that includes sports. It's a sports talk show rooted in faith-based principles. How silly can you get? You want to heckle blind people? That would make me soil my pants. Dude, wow. Welcome back to the show, recording in the BTG studios in Rochester, New York. Here is your host, Rick Benson. I want to thank you for hanging out with us. I was flipping through the recent Sports Illustrated, and I came across their scorecard segment, which in this edition featured Seattle Seahawks receiver Doug Baldwin. Now, many people make a false assumption that football players are stupid. That's definitely not the case with Baldwin. Here's a guy that's a Stanford graduate. He's he's very well read. Football players, they're no different than police officers. They're no different than social workers, factory workers, pastors, 
priests, school teachers, whatever. You know, it, it, you take any group of people. There's decent people and there's dirtbags. There's <laughs> smart people and there's foolish ones. There's ones who mean well, who care about other people. And then there's some that don't care about anybody but themselves. Now, this article was an interview with Baldwin dealing with his stance on social activism and specifically athletes using their platforms to attempt to affect social change. I've never understood the double standard, the, um, the just shut up and sing mentality. Athletes and celebrities are people too. They, they have a right to their opinions and their opinions matter. Why should they not be allowed to share them just because they've reached a certain level of celebrity? Just because they have the opportunity to be heard by many more people than you and I do, that's not fair to just say they should be silent. Now, understand, just because they've achieved a certain level of celebrity or they've had some success in a competitive area does not necessarily mean that their opinions way more, that they're more valuable, that they're, that they're more informed, that they're better positioned. Um, their opinions are no more important than the guy who picks up your garbage at the end of your street every week mm-hmm. or the person who bakes your bread down at the Wegmans. You know, the, people are entitled to their opinions. Christians can't, they can't applaud Tim Tebow. Russell Wilson, guys like this, any other athlete who uses their platform for the cause of the gospel, and then turn around and complain about a Colin Kaepernick, a Richard Sherman, or a Doug Baldwin for using their platform for things that are important to them. Freedom goes to everybody. Now, I know I don't care for the sitting during the national anthem. Everybody knows I don't care that people do that. I don't like it. I think protesting the anthem, protesting the flag is a ridiculous notion. But I applaud the openness in expressing their concerns. I don't have to agree with the stance. We all know I don't, at least not completely. I think they're making a statement against police brutality when in reality, I believe police officers are like every other segment of society. There's good and there's bad. But I think they're protesting against such a small percentage of police officers that that percentage wouldn't even register on some sort of graph or, or, or meter. Mm-hmm. There's so few of them. Why? I'm not saying the protest isn't important. Then, you know, if just one life is lost unfairly, unnecessarily, that's too many. And if these protests somehow prevent just one of those situations, then I, I'm all for it. But again, I'd prefer they found something other than accusing the flag, the nation, the anthem. And for goodness sakes, don't sit darn the anthem. Go ahead and kneel if you want. It just looks better. Mm -hmm. You know, I hear people say from time to time, I hear people say, people suck. You know, and I've said (laughs) that. I've said it in jest. I've said it in frustration. But the truth is, I really like people. I think they do foolish things. I think they do dumb things. But I like people. It's why I do what I do. But I've lately I've been intentionally noticing the world around me a little bit more. I know there are some bad apples out there, and we tend to notice them, and we let them determine how our day will go. But overall, I think most people are good. I think most people are decent. I was coming out of a store the other day, 
just as a black woman was coming in. And there's these two sets of doors at the entry, and we each held one door open waiting for the other to come through. And we both stand there <laughs> looking at each other. We shared a laugh about it, and we greeted one another. And, you know, does that let either of us really know the true hearts of the, of the other person? Of course not. But it does say a little something, doesn't it? I mean, it gives you a little indication that there are kindnesses. Here we are, two total strangers sharing a laugh over a shared kindness. And I think that kind of stuff happens more than it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I, I, they're, they're, these are the things that we should let determine how our days go. These things should drown out the negative stuff. But getting back to Doug Baldwin, his opinion on social issues does not carry any more weight or less weight than mine because he's a successful football player. However, because he is, I can tell you a heck of a lot more people will hear his views through that SI article than are going to hear mine on this radio program. But the truth is, he might be better informed than I on this issue. He is better positioned to offer an opinion than I am on issues regarding law enforcement. He grew up the son of a police officer. He lived with it. He understands it. I have a brother-in-law who's in law enforcement, and I pray for him often. You know, Mm. I'm concerned about his job when he goes out. But for Baldwin, it was his father. He knows what it's like to have your dad leave for work and then wonder if he's going to come home safely again. In the article, he gives some perspective to the issue. He is well-spoken, clearly communicated his thoughts. He talks about meeting with people in that field because he didn't have all the information. He wanted to be informed without making an emotional response. Yeah, I have so much respect for that. I wish more people would do that. Yeah, he did. He went to get the information that he didn't have, and he went to the source where that information could be gotten. Too often, so many people, they react to a situation in the news emotionally. And that's not always bad. I mean, it's what makes us human beings. But before spouting off, people need to slow down and consider the situation more thoroughly, even trying to view things from more than just the one perspective. Baldwin was clear that while the narrative on a particular issue may be pushed by race, he identified that it's not always about race. There are people, there are communities involved. It's a bigger picture and more involved than just race. One of the things he says in the article is it's not it's not a skin issue, that it's a sin issue. Mm. And man, he hits it right right on the mark. The evil we see in the world we live in is because of sin. Sin committed by people who are blind. They, they, they live in darkness. I mean, what do you really expect? People need Jesus. Perhaps why society seems so to be so to be slipping out of control, if it is, it's because people who have the light, people who have the cure for evil and hate, are keeping it to themselves and not telling the people who need it the most. First Peter two nine says, But you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. It seems today that the church is losing its place in our culture. It certainly doesn't have the reverence or the importance that it had really not all that long ago. And even for many who do make a commitment to church on a Sunday morning, It's just something they do sort of as a ritual, maybe even just a meaningless exercise. It's not a lifestyle choice that carries out throughout the week. 
And I think one of the reasons for that is too many Christians aren't living it out in their homes. So as a consequence, the next generation, our kids are seeing church-going parents saying and doing things on Sunday morning that is contrary to the rest of their life. It's, it's hypocrisy. Too many of those kids are growing up and wondering why in the world they would get up early on a Sunday morning to do something that isn't important enough to live out all week long. Mm -hmm. Christians need to be the light of Christ throughout the week, every moment, every day, as much as is possible. Your Christian life needs to be lived out at home in front of your kids. They need to see you praying. They need to see you in your Bible. They, they need to see you valuing that Christian lifestyle. They need to see that it's important to you, that Christ is just not something for Sunday mornings, but that it's something that has completely changed your life. I spoke earlier that I think overall people are decent and good. I think overall they are. But being decent and good is not enough to be justified before God. You know the old Sunday school definition for justified, just as if I'd never, never sinned. sinned. Jesus said, Jesus himself, I think it's Luke 18, 18, that no one is good except God alone. Mm. You know, H has your heart ever been changed? If you were to stand before God in the next moment and give an explanation on why your sins shouldn't keep you out of heaven, you know, what 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 answer would you give him? Why why should he let you into heaven? Is it because you were decent and good? I held the door open for somebody? Only Jesus Christ can pay the debt of sin. Could you answer to God that Jesus has paid your sins when you repented and sought his forgiveness? Jesus gave his life on the cross to pay for those sins of yours, to pay for my sins, but he didn't stay in the grave. He rose again from the grave, defeated death, and he ascended into heaven. He stands there waiting to accept you into the family of God. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. You need to admit to God that you're a sinner. You, you need to admit that to yourself, admit that to God. You need to repent of those sins. And you need to ask him to forgive you and save you. He has a free gift of eternal life. There's nothing you can do to earn it. It's only by God's grace that he freely gives it. He offers it through the shed blood of his son at the cross. And I wonder, is God talking to someone today? You know, Do you admit you're a sinner? Confess it to God. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to save you. And if you've already done that, you remember the time and place you did that. You know that you've been saved from sin and hell. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. If you've already been, if, you've, if you're a Christian, tell people you have the answer, you have the cure for, the, for what ails society. Don't keep it to ourselves. If you want to find out more about becoming a Christian, you can visit our website, btgprogram.com, or send us, you know, send us an email here to the program. Love to have a conversation with you. If this has spoken to you today, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to pray for you. Send us a note. Allow us to pray for you. It'd be a great encouragement to us. I'm Rick Benson. You're listening to Beyond the Game. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions.
Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College. We're proud to be a serious athletic school with great opportunities for serious athletes. In fact, we have the only Division II athletic program in the area. Our many varsity programs range from basketball, tennis, and cross country to track and field, golf, volleyball, and soccer. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Is here. Ram Sports Network. Christian Sports Television. That's right. Christian Sports Television. Ram Sports Network is the first Christian Sports TV channel with programming from Pee Wee to the pros. Games, events, sports talk, fitness and nutrition, sports missions, Western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at RamSportsNetwork.com or find us on the Roku Channel Store. Ram Sports Network. More than a game. Joining us on the phone is our guy for college football, Zach Haas. Now, you recently got back from the Texas-Oklahoma game. You know, that is one of the best rivalries in all of college football. It's a fanatical scene. You give us a feel for that. How was that for you? You're, now, let me set that up because you're a, you're a Texas fan, but you went with your yeah. dad and your brother who are both Oklahoma fans. Yeah, we went, we, we got tickets from a friend in Texas who got them from a friend who had the mutual friend with Mac Brown. So our tickets were on the Texas side of the field. Wait, uh, your source for the, t- I, for the tickets ultimately was Mac Brown? I think they passed through his hands at some point. And yeah, I've never to been to the game before. To me, it's the greatest rivalry in all sports. Being able to be there on game day just solidified that notion. When it comes to that game, it doesn't matter what the records are, what anyone's ranked. When they come in and they step on the Cotton Bowl, it's always a good game. Doesn't matter who's playing what. If they're, uh, if they're on a winning streak or a losing streak, they come into the Cotton Bowl and it's heart and passion and it's real, it's real fun to watch. And being able to be there was, was quite an experience. Now, Oklahoma, they played superb against Texas. So let me ask you this. Here they are. They're sitting at number 18 and they look a lot better than that against Texas. They already have two losses, but I don't think anybody really wants to play them right now. Do you? Um, you know, if you look at the schedule, they have two losses to two two very good teams against Ohio State and Houston. But you have a Texas offense that put up 40 points on them. So they, they played great, but, you know, looking at the Big 12, which is known for having no defense, I feel like teams look at them and say, yeah, they're the Sooners, yeah, they have a good offense, but their defense is, is lacking. Now, you're but, not uh, saying that out of bitterness, are you? you I might be a little <laughs> biased, and I might be a little mad at the way the game went. But when it comes down to it, if we're talking playoffs, I don't think they have any business being in the conversation. Now they um, probably can't jump as high, get back into the playoff picture. But could they finish as a top ten school? They could finish in the top ten, and they could reach a very, a very high ranking bowl game. Yes, they're going to have to shore up their defense, who's been exposed throughout this year. They've, they've been scored. They put Texas put up forty, Ohio State put up forty five. You know, the TCU. Put up forty six on them. They're all their defense. Which being Those are all great offenses, side. though. Yeah, it's it's all a whole lot of offense. So when they they'll get to a bowl game and they'll reach, they play a team who's not in the Big Twelve, who will probably have a good defense and a good offense. We'll see if their defense can hold up. Let me ask you about the Longhorns. Is is Charlie Strong coaching the Longhorns next season? And for that matter, no, should he? No, be? he's not. He he will not be coaching next season. I don't believe. I don't. I think it's. Regardless of how they finish this season, 
he won't be coaching next season. I think if you look at the, the coaching prospects that are out there now with Les Miles being fired with Tom, Ho- Tom Herman in Houston on the rise, I think there's too much of a, of an opportunity to hire now. And given the, the three years that Strong's had, have been very mediocre at best. I don't think there's any way he's coaching next season. I think they'll let him finish the season, but I don't see him going anything past that. Let's talk about the Big Ten for a minute. You got a big game coming up, Wisconsin and Ohio State. Wisconsin's at number eight. They've got a tough loss to Michigan. If they top Ohio State this weekend, should they be in the top four? Should they be in the top four? I don't think so. They'll move up. It, it really would depend on the style of win. You know, they, they, people all want style points when it comes to winning. But I don't think just to win at Ohio State would put them in the top four. But later on down the road, I could see it happening. They still have a game against Nebraska later on in the year, which if they win that and they handle the rest of their season, they could wind up in there. They might need a little help. But just to win against Ohio State, I don't think it would be enough to put them in it. Notre Dame, they're an absolute mess. Even the win over Syracuse was ugly, and they they gave up a lot of points to a Syracuse team. Do you think their troubles are more due to the injuries, and they've had a string of injuries, or is this something that a change of coaching would help them? I don't think it's the injuries. You look at the games they've played, and every loss that they've been in, they've been been in the game. You look at the loss to Texas going into double overtime. They almost came back to beat Michigan State, losing by three to Duke losing a sloppy game to North Carolina State. They've been in every single game. So they have the athletes with or without injuries to keep them in the games. There's something you saw with the firing of their, their defensive coordinator. It's something that the coaches need to fix. They're, they just need that extra element of coaching to, to push them over the top into the win column. Well, I'll ask you the same thing I asked you about, Charlie Strong. Is Brian Kelly coaching the Irish next season? I think he will be. It'll depend on how they finish the season. They have... They have a rather tough schedule to finish out the year with Stanford coming up coming up next, who's also been kind of disappointing this year. But then they have Miami, who's looking good. They have Navy as well, who's proven to be a pretty tough team this year. And then their last few games, Virginia Tech and at Southern California. So they have a tough test. If they somehow manage a few wins out of those games, I think they give them another year. Looking at the top four right now, you got Alabama. Ohio State, Michigan, and Clemson currently is the top four. Apart from those teams, who are the two best teams who have a legitimate chance at being a top four school? Outside of those top four, I see two teams in Texas A&M and Louisville that look like they, if any of the top teams fall, would be the next next one in line. You look at Texas A&M, who is undefeated right now, and Louisville, who has one close loss to a very good Clemson team. I think at the end of the season, if they continue to play the at the level that they're playing, we'll have a legitimate argument that they should be in the top four. One way you can look at a team, you see how they play in close games, like Texas A&M had against Tennessee, winning uh, in overtime, and against Arkansas, another good team. You can see how they play against against good teams, but then you can also tell a lot about a team when they play teams that they should beat. You know, they come in, they can easily overlook. And you see Texas A&M and Louisville aren't taking those teams lightly. They're going out there and they're winning big when they should win big. And when they are in close games, they find a way to win the game or at least give themselves a chance to win the game late. Last week, Rutgers finished with a total of five. Five total yards of passing and only 37 yards in a 78 to nothing loss to Michigan. I mean, they didn't get a first down until the fourth quarter. 
was it a low class move by Michigan to beat them that soundly? I mean, what does a team gain by whipping another team so badly? No, I don't believe it's low class. You look at the way they won. I mean, Michigan starters played the first half. That's it. They pulled their starters after the first half. And then even with 24 minutes left to play, Michigan had their third string quarterback in there. They ran a total of 56 times versus passing only 16 times. They, they weren't trying to run up the score. They were trying to run clock. So, no, it's not a low-class move. Um, I think one of the most disrespectful teams, things a team can do is to stop trying. Like a team, if a team is winning real big and they just give up. Football is a game of heart, and I believe that if a team is losing that bad like Rutgers was, if they don't like being beaten 78 nothing. they don't like Michigan putting up 600 yards of offense against them, they should go out there and stop them, not have Michigan stop themselves. Yeah, I agree you with guys, you. These guys from Michigan, they have their second and third trainers, and they don't see much playing time. So they're going to go out there in the field, and they're going to give it their all because they finally get their moment on the field. And they should. I Like I said, I, I agree with you. I think it's more insulting to an opponent to simply stop playing, to put it in baseball terms. Exactly. You know, you, know, you, you don't have to take the extra base, but if you get a hit or you hit it off the wall, to stop at first is almost just as insulting as getting out intentionally. And in exactly. the same yep. thing. These guys need to play. They need to stop them. They couldn't yep. do it. And it wasn't like Michigan went out there to rub it in their face. They had their second and third stringers in. Who don't see the field much, but they've worked just as hard as the starters, so they go out there and they want right. You, know, you can't run three yards and just give yourself up. No. They need to stop that, you. I, I feel like that's a, that's a disrespectful move by a team. So no, I don't see it as low class. And they do they do gain something by being a team that bad. They're they're sending the third stringers get out there. They get experience. So in the case of an injury, a guy goes out there. You know, second and third stringer goes out there, and he's not lost. He knows he's been in the game situation. Strongest conference. In your opinion? I still have to go with the SEC. They've been the strongest conference for quite a few years, and I still believe they are. You have, you look at the at the rankings this year, you have Alabama number one, un, undoubtedly number one. You also got Texas A&M up there. Tennessee, who proved to be a very good team, especially when it comes to the fourth quarter. Ole Miss is up in the top Florida. They're, I still believe they're, they're the best conference, with, with the Big Ten being a very close second. The Big Ten has a track record of having good regular seasons and then just rolling over when it comes to playoffs or bowl games. So I, I'm hesitant to put the Big Ten up there. I just believe the SEC has too much, too much firepower, and I believe at the end of the season it'll be Alabama on top, anyways. Yeah, I would agree. Right now, I it's close. You got two of the top four teams. You got three in the top ten. Plus, you got Nebraska in the top twenty. But I think you're right. I think somebody has to take it from the SEC to be able to say that. Well, Zach, I want to thank you for coming on, talking college football. I can't do that with Zach Barletta. He just he wants to talk hockey all the time. Thanks for coming on with well, us. Anytime. Hook him horns. Zach Barletta, I, we're up against the clock. we got to get out of here. We haven't done shenanigans. We haven't done you like that. I apologize to those of you listening. I know those are popular, regular features, but we'll get to them next week. I want to thank you for listening to the Beyond the Game program. Beyond the Game has been brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com, or give them a call, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Tell them Benson and Barletta sent you. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back again together. We'll be back again together next week, right here at this same time. Be great this week, everybody.